Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Um, 
Also, uh, special thanks go out to uh, Sal Tomaselli, who uh, helped me out a lot this week. Um, I'll have to plug his his website. That would be uh, www.eliteprowrestling.com. Check out their product. Their TV is awesome. You can watch it on their website. Or if you're in the Chicagoland area, I think it still airs at 10. Yeah, I think it's 10 p.m. on Comcast Cable, either 13 or 19. I, I'm a little hazy, but yeah. And you can also watch it streaming live on their uh, website. You can buy the DVDs. I think there's like six shows per DVD, and it's uh, really good stuff. Um, I've seen pretty much all of them. Um, really good stuff. Uh, you can also get the DVDs on their site as well for their shows. Um, Saint Saint Sinners and Dragons was a was a really good really good uh, show. Yeah, it was a really good stuff with a good three way tag main event. Uh, really fun. Um, we're going to have on the first hour. We're going to have Cleveland-based independent worker Sammy Callahan. Um, we're going to talk about uh, Sammy breaking in with Les Thatcher and um, no. working working Chikara, and uh, he's also working in the upcoming Ted Petty Invitational for IWA Mid South. And in the second half-hour segment, we will be joined by my favorite Black Irish worker. Uh, Rick O'Shea, or if you can prove he's Helios, more power to you if you can prove it. But um, and in and in the second hour, we will be uh, joined by NWA World Heavyweight Champion Scrap Iron Adam Pierce, and we have a caller on the line from the nine three seven. Who am I speaking with? Ah, uh, this is Sammy Callahan. Hey, brother. How you doing? Welcome to Rubber Guard Radio. It is my pleasure to have you on. My pleasure to be on. Cool, cool. Well, we're we're gonna start right from uh, right from the top. Uh, Ted Petty, you have drawn in the first round. I am pulling it up. You have the honor of getting in the ring with one of my personal favorites, my my special Chris Hero. Um, w- would you say? Would okay. You're you're rather young. In the business, would you say this would be probably one of your biggest matches to date? Between between him or Two Cold Scorpio has to definitely be my biggest match to date. There you go. Cool. This this should be fun stuff because uh, I I first saw you in the Chikara Young Lions Cup, and uh, you and uh, Johnny Gorgano, or however the hell you pronounce it, both of you guys have have really, really captured me. And from what I hear from friends that were at the Chikara show this past weekend, um, you decided to tear it up. Uh, let, let's talk about it. Um, how how'd you feel your matches went this weekend? Uh, this weekend, it was a long weekend. It was actually uh, capping off my fifth and sixth show of the week. So last week was a really busy week for me. So uh, going into Chicago on Saturday, I was pretty tired, but I, I feel like it was really fun teaming with uh, the Order and teaming with Trick Davis to wrestle uh, the Soul Touchers, who are so charismatic and just oh. so crazy over in the Chicago area. They're awesome. They are awesome. Um, those, the, all three of them, even the manager. I mean, even the manager, you know, just oozes charisma. Um, they're so they fun. They actually had a fourth member. Uh, who was that guy? 
Uh, it's Trauma. He's a, another big African-American from the Chicago area. Probably legit one of the strongest guys I've ever gotten in the ring with. On on Saturday, he threw me around like a little kid. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Picked me up like I was well, Since we're talking about the touches, the urban American dream, Willie Richardson, that man is is amazing. Um, have you ever been in the ring with him uh, one-on-one? Uh, no, I've never been in the ring for one-on-one. Actually, uh, this past this past Saturday was the first time I ever got a chance to be in the ring with him. Mm-hmm. Well, what you need to do is, when when you're at the Ted Petty, you need to walk up to Sal Tomaselli and smack him upside the head and tell him that KZ would like to see you and Willie get it on on an Elite Pro show. And since I am pretty tight with Sally Sack, I'm pretty sure he can make it happen. But... Um, yeah, I'll do it, man. Is... I'll walk right up to Sal and smack him right in the back of the head and tell him, nah. this guy wants his match. It has to be me and Willie. Next show, book it. <laughs> hey, he owes me. He owes me. But, yeah, the... Willie is – I first saw him at the King of Trios Chikara last year, and it just blew me away. And when I found out that he was working for Sal's company, Elite Pro, I was like, oh, I'm ordering discs. I'm ordering TV. Because you've got to see these guys not just in the ring but promos. Um, and I don't know where they got that 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 type of training as far as um, promos are concerned, but um, do you feel that you can be taught how to cut a promo, or you have to be, it's a gift? Uh, I, it's definitely a gift. Like, you either have it or you don't have it. The first time anyone ever tells you to cut a promo, if you mumble your words and you can't get better, there's a good chance you're not going to be that much charismatic. I mean, they can teach you to hide your flaws in a promo, but they can't teach you how to cut a good promo. That's something you have to do on your own. <clears throat> so I, I hear that you broke in with Les Thatcher. Now, um, he, was one, he was one of the guys that broke in. I was broken by quite a few guys down in the Cincinnati area. Now, was, was uh, Les as crabby as he is now back then? Um, this, this wasn't too long ago. This was only... Uh, this, I only started training uh, two and a half years ago, so. Mm. It, so, but yeah, Les is Les is a very knowledgeable guy against the business, but he's not someone that everyone's going to get along with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, he's a clashing personality with almost every person I've ever met. Well, you know, he's an old timer, you know, and and he, you know, he's seen the glory days, he's seen the dark years, and then he sees what's now. Um, now, as far as influences. Um, who has influenced you as far from a fan standpoint? You know, you're you're behind your TV. In other words, you're you're you come over to my place and we're gonna watch a DVD, and you bring it. What DVD are you gonna bring for you and I to sit down and watch? Okay, this is gonna sound really weird, but my two favorite wrestlers and the two guys that influenced me the most in the ring has to be Stan Hansen and Vader. So anything with Stan Hansen and Vader, I I bring along. Like wow. uh, the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Last A uh, couple weeks ago, I was watching Best of Stan Hansen in all Japan, and just the uh, little stuff he did meant so much more. He could work a headlock for eight minutes, and it would be the most interesting eight minutes of the match because he knew how to work that great. Yeah, his, his all Japan stuff was was just blow away, you know, what, what the hell can you say? I mean, it's Hansen, and the, you'd, you'd – catch these ESPN uh, classics, AWA shows, 
and, and they have him on there killing a job guy or whatnot. And it's it's like a, they condense the the All Japan match into five minutes as opposed to twenty, and it just it it doesn't feel the same to me. But you know, I grew up a huge fan of Brody, and <clears throat> what, what do you think of uh, Brody and Hanson as a team? What, where do you think they are in the top ten of all time tag teams? I love Brody and Hanson in the ring as a tag team, but. If we're going to go with the tag team of Stan Hansen, I'd much rather have Stan Hansen than Terry Gordy. Hmm. Okay. Oh, wow. Well, since we're talking about all Japan tag teams, you know, Miracle Violence. Um, Gordy and Williams. In the, in the mid-'90s, was there a better tag team in Japan? No. 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 There, was, there was not a better tag team in Japan. Maybe one of the Road Warriors went over there just because they were the only guys that really brought the intensity, like the the mm. connection did. But it it had freaking Williams and Gordy definitely. <laughs> there you go. And the the thing is, it's when they brought that to the states and they they started doing their thing with the Steiners and all that, uh, with uh Barry and uh, Dustin and and those classic WCW matches. Um, you know, things didn't change because their opponents could do that type of style and go with them. And, I mean, they were brutal, brutal, brutal matches, but they were so fun to watch. <clears throat> now They're great to watch. They're, like, that's my biggest influence on wrestling. I love, like, the brawling style of wrestling, and just the rough neck, hard-hitting, brawling wrestling, just down and dirty and gritty. Yeah. That's what it's about, brother. Now, I'm, I must ask, how old are you? I just turned 21 two weeks ago. Jesus, man, you're still in diapers. I know, I'm still baby boy. <laughs> but good thing for DVDs and 24-7. Yeah. So you you still get to learn. and I, I think that's that's what's missing now um, since Cornette is no longer with OVW. Um, he used to give um, – he there's a six-disc Midnight Express set that's out there that he would give to his students. He would give the Bill Watts shoot interview. And there are certain things that Cornette made his students watch. And I think that's missing now in developmental. And you can tell when the guys come up because they're not watching this stuff. They're, you know, they're uh, – and it, it really upsets me that, that, that these kids aren't learning right. But then I hear you, 21 years old, you know, wet behind the ears still, and you're watching the best of Stan Hansen. I'm fucking amazed. Thank you. Thank you. It's just, like, I, like, I've always been a wrestling fan since I was little. The longest memory I have is of pro wrestling. But when I remember, like, everyone else, like, sort of, like, changing with, like, the years, I was always, like, watching the older stuff. Like, because my dad and my, my brothers used to tape every wrestling. So, any, like, I just go through tapes and put in old stuff. Like, I don't know what it is, but I'd rather watch SummerSlam 93 or WrestleMania nine than watch like stuff from 2002 or 2005 just because wrestling back then they made every little thing count like and stuff was so much simpler but it just made so much sense well I, I'm gonna I've said this since I've been blue in the face I don't watch the current product I don't watch uh, TNA or WWE I can't do it with the exception of the Mike um, talk about good old fashioned build I mean that's how you do it um, and I don't know who who pulled the strings or or um, 
you know, who who put things forward. But I mean, talk about a beautifully done angle, and it's not over. They're going to bring it to Mania. No, we're um, right in the middle of this feud right now. It's not going to be over uh, for a while, and I, I have a feeling like it's going to end at WrestleMania. The climax is going to be at WrestleMania this year because they have such a great match at WrestleMania 19, and that's what they're building to. That's my feeling what they're building to right now. Well, see, my, my, my thoughts are whoever loses the ladder match will win the Rumble, and will get the title shot at Mania. Makes all the sense in the world. You know, I mean, I'm no booker. But, I mean, it's common sense. And, and these guys, I mean, dude, when uh, Michael's, Michael's old lady got punched in the mouth, I was like, whoa, 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 I haven't seen this since Roy Shire in San Francisco. You know, that type of intense angle. And um, have you ever seen any type of an angle like that ever? Like on TV or like up close? Either one. Either one. I, I really don't know. Like, I haven't really been privileged enough to be a part of something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a guy from Cincinnati named John Moxley. If anyone can look up promos of him, look it up. He's doing this really, really creepy angle right now. Just go type in John Moxley and watch his promos. It's the closest thing to the new age Brian Pillman that you're going to get. He's that, he's that shock factor of a wrestler. Just watch the promos and you'll understand exactly what I'm saying. And that's J-O-N-M-O-X-L-E-Y. Yes. But. Oops, what a geek. <laughs> but, you know, obviously I've heard of him, and, you know, he's been he's been doing his thing for a while. I mean, when did I first hear that name? Oh, boy. Cleveland, probably Cleveland All-Pro. Um, are you still working for uh, CAPW? Um, when CAP, CAPW did the relaunch back in uh, July, I, no, I'm sorry, back in May, and I was a part of that, and I was part of the second show, but my schedule hasn't uh, corresponded. So, like, I, I want to wrestle for JT and Cleveland All-Pro, and he's wanting to book me. It's just we've had schedule conflicts right now. So but hopefully I'm going to get back there here soon. Okay. And JT would be JT LaMotta? No, JT Lightning. Oh, G- JT Lightning. Damn. damn. <laughs> oh, man. Where, where do I have – why do I have JT LaMotta in my head? I oh, heard no. that name the other day. I, I don't I, – I, ugh. That they talk to so many different guys around the country. It's like, you know, they they say a name, and I'm like, hey, wait, I've seen that guy, but then I, I'm I can't remember, you know, anything else. Um, now, b- before the relaunch, uh, when when I would say their first stage, um, Cleveland All Pro, um, who were your your notable matches and programs with? Uh, I actually never wrestled for Cleveland All Pro before the relaunch. I actually uh, I wrestled more down the Cincinnati area and the Indiana area, and uh, I just it seemed to be that uh, I met JT at a couple shows after uh, Cleveland All Pro closed, and uh, he said I'd like for you to come work for me. So uh, things worked out, and I had a couple really fun matches with him, and I just haven't been back since. So um, since since you've been working, you know Ohio and Indiana and whatnot, what's taken you so long to uh, work for Ian? Um, I don't like. I didn't want to go to IW Mid South to I felt I was ready because. The word timing is everything in the wrestling business, and I didn't want to go there before I was ready. Uh, so I just picked my time and picked the perfect time, and everything's worked out for me since. Cool, cool. Well, um, I, I mentioned Ian. Um, people have said good things, bad things. I don't care what the hell they think about him. He books the young talent, 
He's still running. Um, what do you think of him as, as first off, as a boss, and then, you know, as a guy outside the ring? I don't have one bad thing to say about Ian Rotten. Ian Rotten's never done anything wrong to me. He's always been there for me. Like, he's been there when I've needed a friend to talk to in rough times. And he's been there as a, a guy that saw something in me and gave me opportunities that no one else wanted to give me. Because everyone's always said Ian's had a great eye for young talent of making stars in the Midwest. And I just got lucky that Ian saw something in me, and he's let me take the ball and run with it. And if it wasn't for Mid-South, I wouldn't have been anywhere that I am right now. Now, as I, I'm going to have to disagree with you halfway on that one about Ian recognizing talent. I think that Ian is more receptive to listening to people that he knows and th- that they recommend, hey, check this kid out. Then, you know, then I think that, that he takes the, the necessary steps to bring in whomever. And I, I just I say that because there are a couple guys, you know, that you don't think would have made it in that company that did, and it wouldn't look like Ian would have brought them in himself. And <clears throat> But, you know, it doesn't matter how you get there. But I, I, I'm I'm agreeing with you halfway. But I, I'm Ian. You agree to disagree? Well, kind of, yeah, kind of. I've always but, wanted hey, to use I that thing. To I just didn't know when to use it. He's he's he does bring in the young kids, man, and he's not afraid to use anybody. You know, I got to no. give him that. You know what the hell? You know, go out there and fucking work your match. You know, if you get over, he'll bring you back. If not, he'll tell you what you need to do. Call you back six months later. Because once he likes you, you know, or if, if he sees something in you, he, you know, he, he's not afraid to tell you, hey, man, you know, you need to go to the Elite Dojo and go work with Tom, the Tomaselli's, or, you know, you need to go work on this, that, give me a call in six months. Exactly. You know, and, and <clears throat> once you're invited into that IWMSL family, when he tells you thank you to the family, you have a job with Ian forever. You'll always have that spot with him, and he'll always be there for you. And he'll tell you, like, Ian's been rough on me, and Ian's been rough on everybody else. Like, he does what he has to do to try to make you better and try to get you ready for the next level. He he tells me all the time what I need to work on, and I go and I watch my tapes and I I try to work on that. And the the thing is, Ian has resources that are you know not his, but you know he has associates that that work with him, like the Tomasellis that have a really good school up in Chicago, EliteProWrestling.com. I can't say enough about, you know, Sal Vito and, well, Brandon's another issue, but um, <laughs> he is definitely the black sheep. But, you know, much love to, to uh, Sal and uh, Vito. And, uh, I like all those Sal. guys. They're all stand-up gentlemen. There you go. Yeah, I saw Sal a couple months ago. He was he was out here in um, Northern California, and he uh, he worked a shot. And, uh, you know, we hung out for a little while and, you know, caught up and stuff. And it was good to see him. You know, he's in really good shape still, and, you know, his body's not beaten up too much. And, you know, they they need they need to get back together. You know, the the independent world is, is not what it should be if the Iron Saints aren't together. But, you know, I mean, they are friends of mine, so I'm a little, you know, I'm a little biased. But now, <clears throat> have you done any tag team work um, regularly? Um, a little bit. Uh, actually, uh, I've, I've tagged with my buddy uh, – his name's Matt Wright. He's a little-known guy from the indie scene. He's actually been one of my best friends growing up, and we broke into business together. And there's one place that we get to wrestle with each other, and we get a tag, and it's 
is great because it's a guy that I grew up with and all we ever wanted to do is be pro wrestlers. And now we're, we're a pro wrestling tag team up in, up in Cleveland. And other than that, uh, I, I, I'm kind of uh, having a thing with Mr. C.J. Otis right now. Mm. Be careful. Be careful. You know, I, he has picked up a few tricks in his uh, travels to all Japan. So just be careful. That's all I'm going to tell you. Um, he, uh, his tours are pretty rough. But, you know, that's what happens when, you know, when, when you're a young guy, Jin, and, you, you know, you're trying to break in. And, you know, he got roughed up. And, but he did survive, and, you know, he's going to go back. So um, C.J. Otis, I, I think, could be another, another breakout star. Um, but I don't want to see it on the indie scene. Um, he fits more into that all-Japan-type mold. But that, that's just me. You know, he's got the stocky build, you know, and, and he hits hard as a motherfucker. But uh, yeah, he's, I've had he's the privilege of being good. in the ring with him quite often, and yes, he does hit like a motherfucker. <laughs> yes, he's not called yes. the strong style Superman for nothing. That's, that's all. Yeah, no saying. doubt, no doubt. Makes makes me makes me uh, hungry for the next IWO Mid South Revolution Strong Style tournament. I love those tournaments; those were so fun. Um, those are some of the tournaments that made me want to get into indie wrestling. I drove all the way to the Strong Style tournament. My senior year in high school in '05 to see some Ojo mm-hmm. wrestle, and it was that's that's when I fell in love with indie wrestling. That that was the year where you had Tank in the first round, right? Yes. Oh, brutal! Tank is just brutal anyway, but damn, yeah, that's good stuff. I, I love that stuff. Um, Eddie Kingston, another hard hitter. Um, you know, if you if you play your cards right, you may you may end up having a date with uh, Mr. Kingston and Chikara. Um, if I do, if you do, I feel sorry for you because he is as stiff as they come. Uh, wh- what do you think of Eddie? He is a guy that is on my top of list of guys I want to get in there and mix it up with. He's he's definitely one of those guys where he's established himself as one of the most hard hitting dudes in the country for that style of wrestling, and I want to be in the ring with that and see how I fare with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just. Oh man, it's just like okay, yeah, it's a work, but fuck, <laughs> you know he's that, and he's a hell of a promo. Um, I would say that he is the second best promo on the Indies, next to Larry Sweeney. But Larry Sweeney's on a whole different level. Um, completely different, completely different guys. Oh, just, but very, very underrated. Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston, like, I want to see him get a job somewhere because he's very talented. And he's one of those guys who really just hasn't got that big break that he deserves yet. He will. He will. You know, it's just a matter of time. You know, it's only a matter of time before one of the <clears throat> big two uh, picked up Joe. You know, it's only a matter of time before, uh, you know, Kingston gets a contract somewhere. I would prefer to see it with the NWA uh, because I would love to see him in a program with Adam Pierce. It'd be great. That's just me. I'm head and shoulders a huge Adam Pierce mark, and I have since he broke in in Minnesota and Chicago. But he's uh, he's great. I've I've had the privilege of meeting him a couple times, and like he's he's so knowledgeable about, about the business. I'd love to just sit and listen to him talk for an hour. Um, you can. He's on my. He's the guest on my second hour. Fantastic. Everyone should tune in and listen to Adam Pierce though. Oh yeah. Well, you know, it, it today was a breaking news story for Adam. So um, 
he's left Ring of Honor. Really? Yes. So uh, wow. Adam does have news to discuss. Not to mention he just won back the belt. But, you know, that's that's second to, I guess, the contract. But, yeah, Adam Adam is he's older than he he's an old soul. Um, he's almost, you know, he's 30-ish, but he's got the head and the heart of a guy that's been in the business for 30 years. Exactly. And, he's, he's the closest thing that our generation has to an actual four horseman. Exactly. Exactly. And he, he lives in the San Diego area, and he works for a friend of mine in San Diego, SoCalProWrestling.com, cheap plug. But um, he works for them every month. Um, and he defends the title, or when he didn't have it, he was just in, like, uh, tag matches or whatever. And he's the elder statesman, and he teaches these young kids. And, you know, they just sit there, you know, and they're just in awe. They're, like, just just in awe. Um, have you had an opportunity to sit around in a locker room or, you know, somewhere else to just, just sit under that learning tree? Um like say maybe a Tracy Smothers type of guy. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the one privilege I got that training at HWA is I I got the privilege of being in the ring and just being in locker rooms with guys like Chad Collier, Nigel McGinnis, BJ Whitmer, John Moxley, Cody Hawk, Matt Stryker, all those guys. And I just just listening to those guys, I learned so much about the business, especially Cody Hawk and Matt Stryker. Those were the guys that were there the most at HWA, and they're so knowledgeable. And Cody Hawk, in my opinion, one of the best trainers in the Midwest, Midwest area, Cincinnati, Ohio. Check out Ego Pro Wrestling, egopw.com. Cheap plug, just like you. He's an absolute fabulous trainer. He's had hand in training everyone from the Cincinnati area in the past eight years. Well, he did the physical stuff for less. So, yes. He was um, the backbone. Him and Matt Stryker were the backbone to HWA under Les Thatcher. Oh, and that's the real Matt Stryker, not that goof on TV on Tuesday nights. Yes, that's the real unibrow. Matt Stryker. <laughs> yeah, unibrow. <laughs> you know, I loved to hate that guy when he was in ROH. I really did, because he was so bland, but he was but solid. Pound for pound, he was, he was one of the best wrestlers at the time, the best technical wrestler at the time. No one could take that away from Matt Stryker at the time. He was the man in technical wrestling. Yeah, no doubt. The matches he had with uh, with uh, Walters were fucking awesome. John Walters, they were just awesome. But, you know, they didn't have any charisma. It just, you know, but it was a technical, you know, just a, you know, a 20-minute, you know, class on how, you know, on how to work. And I, I think that it was important for the young guys in that locker room at that time to watch those matches. I mean, because you can learn, you know, in the dojo. You can learn by watching. Uh, you can learn by watching on TV. You can learn by being on the radio. You can. There's many different ways to learn. Um, now, are you a proponent of, of watching other matches? What did you say? I'm sorry. Do you do you watch any of the other matches when you're when you're working a show? Oh, absolutely. Like uh, whenever I'm at a show, I try to watch as many matches as I can because. It doesn't matter if it's the first match on the card or the last match on the card. You can always learn something new, and you can you, you can never stop learning. Like any time I get to see anyone work, like I I just like to watch people wrestle. Yeah, a very close friend of mine, Michael Modest from out here. He um when he goes to shows, 
he watches every match, and he will, you know, he'll learn something good or bad, what not to do, or maybe something that he can put into his game, and he preaches that to his students, and you know, it goes on down the tree, and that goes to the Tomasellis, you know, since Sal was trained by Mike, and you know, it goes all the way down, and I think it's important that you know a lot of these young kids that are breaking in, they don't watch the rest of the card. You know, they work their match, they go get their envelope, and they head to head out. No, no way. If I were if I were running a company, it would be no one will get paid till the end of the night. If you choose to watch the match, that's your problem. But you're going to be there for the whole, you know, two and a half, three hours or whatever. Exactly, um, and that's just about respect. That's just about showing respect to your peers because they've sat through your match. Now you need to sit through all their matches. Exactly. Exactly. And plus, you know, anybody's opinion can be valued, and and I'm a believer in that. Um, and, you know, friends of mine that are really co- really close friends of mine that are in the business, they at, they call me and they're all, hey brother, you know, how was this match? Because I've seen you know pretty much the who's who. You know, I mean, I've been a fan since '80, so I've seen you know pretty much everything. You know, and and they they take it as respect. Out out of respect, they 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 like to be critiqued. Um, not not trying to put myself over as a smart or whatever. It's I think it's important that guys get feedback, positive or negative. But it's the way you go about it. Now, how open are you to after a show? You know, going out to your car and you know stopping and, and talking to fans and, and getting feedback from them. Oh, I love I love getting feedback from everybody. I love getting feedback from fans because fans aren't wrestlers. They see wrestling different, differently than all those workers do. Like, getting their opinion and knowing what they like and what they don't like helps you out a lot. That's just, that's just doing your research of how to get over with a crowd. If you keep doing something that a crowd's not going to like, then don't do it. Mm, very good point. Very good point. <clears throat> okay, well let's um let's go back to to um, some of your influences. Okay, the big boys, uh, Vader and Hanson, um, Doc and Gordy. Um, were, were there any uh, more technically based guys that you really paid attention to? Fit Finley and William Regal. Yes. Two money. Uh, another two of my favorite, like. With, like, brawling and, like, fighting, like, I, I deal with Hanson and Vader, but with, like, wrestling and, like, mixing wrestling, like, technical wrestling, brawling, Finley and Regal, like, bottom to mm-hmm. nine. Oh, yes. That's the good stuff. You know, and, and not just, you know, what they've done recently. Their European stuff was just hands down. Have you seen any of their European stuff? I'm sorry. Uh, you're breaking up. Can you say that one more time? Uh, hold on just a sec, brother. Give me just a sec. I was downstairs. I had to change the laundry. We do everything live on the air here. I'm actually sitting at a bowling alley right now, Mr. Drake Younger. So, (laughs) Drake, I got I got got a problem with that guy. (laughs) How can anyone have a problem with Mr. Drake Younger? I've never seen that Uh, man without a smile on his face. He doesn't return phone calls, but that's okay. I'll, I'll just have his trainer call him again, and you know we'll 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 let Frank get on him. And well, um, there you go. I, I mentioned Frank. Um, w- what do you think of uh, the American Kickboxer? 
I love the American Kickboxer, and I love Tarek the Great, too, because you can't talk about American Kickboxer without talking about Tarek the Great. He's another one of the guys that taught me so much in this business because uh, he actually started coming back around HWA right around the time I got trained, and I got put in the ring with him a lot when I was really young and taught me so much about just calling things on the fly and just making every little thing count. Like, I keep putting that across that, you got to make every little thing count. And that's what he always hammered in my head and what Les and Cody and Shark and all those guys always hammered in my head. Yeah, it's Frank Frank has not gotten the respect that he deserves either, but you know, I, I tried him I had him on the show for I don't know about an hour and I was just in I was just amazed. I was like, okay, you know, if if you're not at least going to a seminar that this guy's running, maybe out of your fucking mind. It, I mean, he's so brilliant. He's so smart just to listen to him. Like, I got the privilege of going to a seminar at the Evansville Coliseum when I first started wrestling, and he put us through the ringer. It was one of the hardest three hours of my life, but I learned so much and, like, earned so much. Like, he taught you respect. That's what you need to know because he's such big on respect. So, for uh, during the Ted Petty, are you going to bring your own chair to to sit out there with the fans to watch Tracy Smothers and David Taylor? Um, I'm going to probably be sitting somewhere watching that match just in awe. <laughs> like, as soon as I saw that match announced, that was the one match on the card where I'm like, oh, my gosh. I Like, I totally turned into a, a dumb fan inside. I'm like, I want to see this match more than anything. Exactly. That's just going to be amazing stuff. Um, I mean, plus uh, Aries who's back, thank God. Hopefully we'll have a Swiss Money Holding reunion with him and Claudio. Uh, he's got uh, the newly released Ace Steel. Um, have you crossed paths with any of the Saints, uh, Punk, Cabana, Ace, um, and then the unofficial Adam Pierce, of course? Uh, I've got to meet Adam Pierce a couple times, and he was just such a, a knowledgeable guy to meet. And, like, the, the brief words I had with him were very knowledgeable and very, like, entertaining. Such just a guy that captivates you listening to him. But I've never got the chance to meet Ace, never got the chance to meet Punk, never got a chance to meet Colt, and it'll be great to meet Ace because he's, he's truly, like, he's, how long has he been wrestling now? He's been wrestling for, like, forever. And he's, he's one of those veterans that don't get the respect he deserves right now. The second best facials in the business. Great. Next to Regal. Next to Regal. Well, that's just, you know, my opinion. Um, the whole, when, when Ace snaps and those big blue eyes just pop out of his head, it's like, oh, okay, someone's in trouble now. Just uh, scares me, you know, you know, as a fan, and, you know, just watching, you know, watching on tape or something, and it's, it's just so intense. Um, you see, um, have you gotten in the ring with um, any of the, okay, I know it's it's not right to classify guys, but the higher tier indie guys, um, like you you get hero at the TPI. Um, have you been in the ring with any of the higher end indie guys? Um, I've got the chance to wrestle. Uh, I got a chance to wrestle two gold Scorpio and IW Mid South. Uh, I I've got the privilege of wrestling Drake Younger quite a few times. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone I've wrestled Zach Gowan. Uh, Actually, one of my it was like my eighth match in the business at HWA. I got to wrestle Nigel McGinnis. Uh, I actually got to wrestle him three times. 
I got to wrestle Chad Collier a lot when I was at HWA and Matt Stryker and all those guys. So, I mean, I was I was spoiled when I first started wrestling. I got brought up in a great environment that I just got to learn so much and just got so much experience at such a short time at HWA. Well, at that time, there were there were so many guys there. I mean, the the roster was awesome. Um, did you ever get in the ring with Rory Fox? Um, Rory was actually gone when I first uh, started wrestling at HWA, but he came back and met, made a few appearances. I got to meet him, but I never got the chance to be in the ring with him. Okay. okay. Yeah, Rory's a good dude, man. He's, you know, he's solid. You know, he's, he's doing his thing down in Texas, and, you know, he's... Uh, He's doing rather well down there in a dead state, which is which is cool. Um, and no offense out there, Mr. Fuller, I didn't mean to call your state dead. <laughs> Just uh, it's not as booming as other places, shall we say? Um, so, how far out of the the Ohio area have you branched? Um, you were in the Philadelphia area for for uh, Young Lions, um, and then up Chicago for Chikara. Uh, have you headed out west yet? I have not got a chance going out to the west coast. I think the farthest I've been, uh, I wrestled for insane uh, uh, ICW in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I think that's the farthest I've been uh, other than Canada. So. ICW. Is that Dysfunction's company? Yeah, that's, that's, this is Fed. All right. Well, we're, we're talking about Big D. Um, I love that kid. Um, if he'd stay away from the deathmatch stuff, he'd be awesome. But I say the same thing about Drake. But that's just because it's not what I grew up watching. Um, well, what are your feelings on Dis as a worker? Oh, he's very underrated. Uh, very great. And never He's never really got a chance to expand and branch out other than the Midwest. But definitely an awesome guy that could be there if just he got a chance or got a break. Or Definitely very underrated. Yeah, he's just amazing, you know. He and you know he's not a little guy. He's got really good size. He does some innovative stuff. He does a, some very innovative stuff. He does that Death Valley driver into the leg drop, uh, and he just moves so well for how big he is. I think he probably weighs like two thirty, two forty, but he moves like he's a, a two hundred pounder. That's nuts. That's and yeah, it's a shame because you know, this he kind of got labeled you know, as a deathmatch guy because of the higher profile uh, King of the Death stuff he did for Ian. But, you know, I've seen him, you know, go a good 20, 30 minutes of solid technical stuff, and you know, he's just blow away. Um, I'd like to see him, you know, latch on with uh, one of the bigger indies. Uh, I, th- I think that, you know, he'd be able to keep up with probably most of the ROH roster. Absolutely. But, you know, yeah, you know, that's that's just my opinion, but you know, and and Dis knows, you know, I got respect for him. He's just awesome. So, answer this for me honestly. Since you've been in the ring with Scorpio, will the C ever fall off of the word cold? Okay, I really don't know how to answer that. <laughs> he, hey, you know what? That brother's getting close to fifty. And he's it, still it, doing this. It's amazing. He still he still flies better today than he does did back in the early nineties. It, it seems like to say I swear the older he gets, the younger he looks. Exactly. Exactly. But now, 
now he's he's worked in that that Noah style, you know, where he uses some strong style, and then you know he the submissions, and then then he flies when it's needed. But when he does fly, it's still like whoa, whoa, whoa where's the gravity with this dude, you know? And and he's working a rather full schedule. He's not stopping, um, you know, and he's all over the place. You know, he's working for Ian. He's working in Philly for PWU. You know, he's all over the place. And, you know, it's, it's fun to see him. And, you know, we're trying to get him out here. Um, I'd love to see him and Modest go at it. And, you know, he just can't get the time to come out. And it's a shame. Um, so let, let's talk about your match with Scorp. Um, first of all, is it available on DVD? Yes, you can pick it up uh smartrockvideo.com and it's Put Up or Shut Up 2008 uh, from last month. Everyone should pick it up. It has an amazing match also between Drake Younger and Dingo and it also has Trevor Murdoch versus Nick Gage. So it's definitely a DVD worth picking up. Nick Gage and Trevor Murdoch? Whoa. Absolutely. Talk about a styles clash. Wow, that'd be pretty cool. It was a very hard-hitting, awesome match. There you go. Dingo. Dingo, dingo, dingo. It's about time this guy's gotten the love. First it was Fidel. Then it was Delirious and Daisy Hayes. And now it's Dingo's turn. Those St. Louis guys. Dingo's just just amazing. Um, Now, is... Dingo is not in... He is in the tournament. He is working Michael... Oh, jeez. Canadian crazy. Michael Elgin. Elgin, Oh, boy. <laughs> He's in trouble. Another one of the, another one of the most freakishly strong perk people I've ever been in the ring with. Oh man, Michael Elgin's a monster. He's just. He's, he's, I'm speechless about Michael Elgin. He's that strong. Just thinking about how strong he is, and he hits like he's a fucking brick house. <laughs> I, I don't want to call him Baby Huey, but you know he he reminds me of that that big big dude. You know, in high school, that you know, that that I don't want to call him slow, but you know, you know what I mean. Sluggish dude that you know people try to pick on, and then he'll finally snap and he'll kill someone. He's just a, a monster. Dude, don't talk about Michael Elgin like that. <laughs> he lives in Canada, so I, I don't care, man. He gets your hand, his hands on. He's gonna, he'll rip your arms off and beat you with them. That's how strong he is. As long as I get him on the West Coast, I don't have a problem. You know, there we there, go. There's, there, hey, it's not just pro wrestling gorilla out here, brother. <laughs> that you know, and I've I've been preaching that since been blue in the face. You know, there's other wrestling out here, but uh, so have you tried to you know send out um, uh, tapes or DVDs to to any promoters out west? Um, not yet. Um, like I said, timing's everything. I don't feel like right now is the perfect time for me to go over to to West Coast right now. Right now is my time to to make a name for myself in the Midwest and the East Coast. And once once I get on top of that, maybe then I'll start talking about going to the West Coast. But timing's everything. Smart man. You are obviously trained by Les. That, that's painfully obvious. Um, <clears throat> okay, let's see. Hey, don't don't just put don't just put every Les as one of my trainers. Cody Hawk, Shark well, Boy. Cody Hawk, of course. Oh, and Shark Boy. Shark Boy's actually the guy I got my start with. Sharky. Prettiest eyes in the well, wrestling business. I'm telling you. Tell me, do you prefer the Shark Boy 
the original Shark Boy or the Stone Cold Shark Boy? Hey, I don't think it matters. As long as Shark Boy's out there doing his thing and making money, it doesn't matter what he's doing. As long as he's making a living doing what he wants to do. I find it. I find the Stone Cold stuff funny as hell. It's yeah. It's just it's goofy, and you know. But wrestling doesn't always have to be serious. You know, there should be a little bit of comedy everywhere, here and there, and you know, it keeps things light and you know keeps things interesting. And you know, but then you know he's going to end up turning heel one day, and it's going to be a shock, and you know, it's going to be fun. You know, and that that's cool, and it's something different. So now, now in your travels down the road. I'm not saying that that you've worked with anybody, but have you seen anybody that could be, you know, the the next, you know, uh, breakout independent star? I'll put over John Moxley again. He's 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 had WWE dark matches, WWE trial matches. One of my very good friends, and he's just he's so amazing in the ring. And he's never he's never really got an opportunity to wrestle for a mid south. Never got an opportunity to wrestle for CZW. He got wrestled Young Lions a couple couple years ago, but. Uh, when he got done with Young, Young Lions Cup, he went straight down to Puerto Rico and spent, uh, I think, six months in Puerto Rico. And ever since then, he's never really got a chance to get back up on the, the indie wrestling horse bandwagon. Okay. Well, you, you've convinced me. I will go to YouTube and type in John Moxley and see what happens. Um, so, okay. Well, I am completely out of questions. So what we're going to do is we're just going to shoot from the hip, and, and we'll go from there. Now, okay. okay, let's say I'm booking a show, and I have you booked, and I can fly in any worker that is not under contract, WWE, TNA, or ROH. Who would you like me to fly in to work with you? I can't work Vader either, can I? He can barely walk, so. I mean, if he could care, well... He's, he's about 500-plus pounds now, so it would be kind of tough to carry him. <clears throat> if I had to pick any worker that you could fly in, mm-hmm. I would probably either say Eddie Kingston or Takeshi Morishima. Mm. Well, okay, you brought you brought up Morishima. You know, is is he the second coming of Terry Gordy? Absolutely, he's the he's the Japanese Terry Gordy. Like, seriously, Terry Gordy could have got a girl pregnant in Japan, and that could be his son right now. I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me. It honestly wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, he he's more he's more Terry's son than you know than uh what is it Jesse on SmackDown? I think it is. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, Morshim is just a just an amazing. I can't say anything more about him. I mean, he's just fucking awesome. You know, and I've seen, you know, ROH stuff. I've seen, you know, pretty much his whole Noah run since he broke in. And his he's stuff just... in the States is nothing compared to the stuff in Japan. If, if wrestling fans have only seen the stuff on ROH, they should definitely mm-hmm. seek out his Japanese stuff because the stuff in Noah is so captivating and just so just hard-hitting, and it, it's ten times better than the stuff in ROH was. Yeah, the the title change with Sas, uh, Kensuke was just blow away. I mean, I would say it'll probably be in my top five for match of the year so far. Um, oh, absolutely, was, absolutely. His stuff in uh, his stuff in ROH is is fantastic, but that the Japanese light. stuff that not a lot of people get to see is he's having incredible matches every match in, match in, and match out. 
Yeah, I'm 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 waiting for for ROH to distribute uh, the Noah product more um so that it gets to a, a broader audience. Just just because it, it, the the guys that are in Noah um I mean Kenta obviously is just blow away uh, Mirafuji, uh Goshiyazaki. Um there's another guy. I mean that guy's a stud. Yes. Go can go. Uh no pun intended. Ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. Oh. Yeah, that those are just just some guys and you know, I'd like to see them you know, I'd like to see Morishima, you know, move here for a six month excursion and, and just work for, you know, Harley and ROH and, and you know and, and stuff like that so that, you know, he gets that American seasoning and brings it back, you know, to Japan. But yeah, I just I can't can't I can't explain Morishima to anybody. You just have to see him, and other than the comparison to Terry Gordy. Um, now we have the second coming of Terry Gordy. When are we going to get the second coming of Doc Doc Williams? I don't know. That's that's a hard one. Uh, there's there's no one really out there that's really Doctor Death. Like Doctor Death's going to be a hard guy to duplicate. It's it's not going to be very easy. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Doc's just, and he's been doing it at a high level since he broke in. Um, how far back have have uh, your um, your viewing gone? Have you had a chance to watch any of uh, Watts Mid South UWF? Yes, absolutely. Anytime I can get my hands on any wrestling, like I'm going to grab it. I'm going to watch it. Like my friends tell me I'm obsessed because I, I literally am. I get home. I train, I work out, I watch wrestling tapes. That's that's my day, pretty much. Mm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> do you do you current uh, watch the current product at all? Um, oh, like I said, um, uh, anytime there's wrestling on, I'm gonna watch it. So it doesn't matter if it's a tape. Like anytime there's anything wrestling related on TV, I'm gonna watch it. Anywhere from ESPN at Midnight or WWE at nine o'clock. I'm gonna watch it, and then when it's done, I'm probably gonna put on a wrestling tape. There you go. Well, <clears throat> since since you're one of the boys, I, I'm gonna ask you this. Now, this past week on Raw, um, Michaels put over Cade in a tag match, and it really didn't mean anything. There wasn't a big write-up or anything on WWE.com or anywhere else. Um, do you feel that there's anybody on the WWE roster that could do a job that means something to elevate anyone? Mm. Anytime uh, Triple H or John Cena puts someone over, it usually means something. I don't even remember the last time I really saw Triple H lose clean. Shelton Benjamin. Shelton what? Benjamin is the answer. That's, the last time he put over a young kid. Um, I was on a different radio show last night, and I, I was talking with my friends who's the host, and I said that there's the one guy in that locker room where if he does a job, it will mean something, and that's The Undertaker. Oh, him too, absolutely. He's he's one of those guys that's been there almost longer than anyone else right now, and he's definitely a guy that if he puts someone over, it means something. Hmm. Uh, you know, he's adapted. You know, he's changed with the times, and, you know, he's one guy I still enjoy watching. Uh, the program he's, he's had with Edge was fun. 
um, that's one of the few bright spots for me. Um, thank God I have TiVo. So, <laughs> but <clears throat> what, what do you think of uh, Taker and, and his and his run, starting you know from the from the Dead Man at the Survivor Series all the way up, you know, through his different incarnations. Well, what do you think of Taker? Taker's one of those guys where, like, looking at him, you wouldn't really see him as a, a technical wrestler. You always see him as the brawler type, and you always see him as, like, the top guy in the company. But, like, anytime he puts someone over, it means something. Pretty much any storyline he's in, for the most part, is the main storyline. And like I said, like, he can surprise people. Like, his match at No Way Out from, I think it was either 2002 or 2003 with Kurt Angle. It was... Is technically sound. They're reversally. They're giving each other reversals. They're doing everything. So Undertaker can go from a brawler to being a technical wrestler. He can do it all, and he has, he's he has the best timing in professional wrestling, just as as he puts stuff together. Yeah, I I knew you know when I first saw him in Memphis and then in WCW as Mean Mark, I knew he was going to be a star. Um, I didn't know how or where or why but just knew you know once he did that that rope walk and you know I was like whoa dude I haven't seen that since the spoiler and you know this guy's a you know a he's probably a shoot 300 pounds yeah. and you know just an amazing athlete and, and, a, and a great storyteller and I, I think that's what's missing now um, that doesn't capture me as as a fan is is Everything's too fast-paced, and and I can't get a story here. I, I want to be told a story. I've always been, you know, call me old school, call me true school, call me whatever you want. But I believe in in storytelling. And now, now my question here is: Do do you think that guys are given the opportunity and the time on the indie circuit to go out there and tell a proper story? It- any amount of time is a, a, a long enough time to tell a story. It just matters how you put a match together. It matters your reasoning in a match. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have one minute or you have 30 minutes. If you put the match together correctly, it can tell a story. Mm. Okay. Well, let, let me reword this. Would you prefer, say, say Ian is giving you a match with, okay, say Dingo, and he says you can have 10 or 20 minutes. Which one would you take? Would you take the ten minute match or the twenty minute match? I'd take I'd take the ten minute match because, like me and Dingo's first match, we went I think seven and a half minutes, and the reason our match is so noticeable on that card is because it was one of the shorter matches on the card, and every little thing we did meant something. So people don't have to sit through a long twenty minute match. They sat through a seven minute match that was hard hitting and fast paced from start to beginning and. You don't have to go 20 minutes to make people remember you. You don't have to. You don't have to go 30 minutes to make people remember you. Sometimes it's necessary, but you can always tell that story and have the crowd remembering you in eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, w- would you say it would be be because of the style? Um, say, guys go out for 10 minutes and it, it's you know um, a, a high spot type of flying type of match with guys, you know, all over, like they're in a beehive, um, as opposed to a stronger style. I, I think that you'll be able to go out there for seven, eight minutes with a stronger style, and it would be more believable, as opposed to guys going out there for seven minutes just flying around all over. 
It just doesn't make sense to me. Exactly, because uh, people's going to get tired and people's going to get banged up from doing that style of wrestling. And the fans. It's like a fucking ping-pong match. Left, right, left, right. But, you know, I'm... I, people say I bury cruiserweights, quote-unquote cruiserweights or flyers or whatever. But, you know, the they... It's not about how many spots you do. It's how you put them together. And... I mean, I've seen some really graceful flyers, and Matt Seidel, Evan Bourne, whatever you want to call him, he is it as far as flyers are concerned now. And have you – do you enjoy watching um, Matt Seidel in the ring? Absolutely. He's phenomenal. <clears throat> the stuff he does in the ring is just so smooth and just so – it's – it's like watching someone that defies gravity. So, like, like you said, he, he used to wear his gravity shoes or gravity pants or whatever. So he's he's a guy that defies gravity. Well, he's been compared to Pac um, from England and and Dragon Gate and Pro Wrestling Gorilla and pretty much every other big indie. Um, but the thing is with Pac, he's not as fluid and graceful with his flying that. Seidel is, and I, I don't know why, but it, it it's just I, I I prefer grace graceful as opposed to sloppy. Um, yeah. That just it's an art, you know. Uh, you know, go out there and paint your picture. You know, you you don't see you know artists that are doing portraits that you know they they draw a woman and put a mustache on. You you don't. It, it's not. That way, you, things need to be done properly, and I think that now that you know schools are opening, and you know with uh, with guys that that are uh, that they know what they're doing, and and Les is doing his his things and, and all that other. Hey, did someone did sounded like someone carried? Did someone get a strike? That that sounded like a strike sorry? to me. That sounded like a strike yeah. to me. I don't know. Someone may have got a strike. That's that's what it sounded like. It sounded like they carried the temp in, but yeah, it's just me. <laughs> but um, I'm going off on a tangent. I'm okay, actually so... I'm actually going to talk to you while while I bowl a frame of a bowling. Oh, it's uh, tremendous. Yeah, it's been my turn for the last hour, so. <laughs> I'm sorry, Drake. <laughs> I have three left standing. I have three left standing, <sighs> so I'm. I'm guessing by if I'm doing my math correctly, I I hit seven tenths. Yes. Yes, sir. Now pick it up, unless it's a split. Oh uh, no, it's it's right down the middle. One, two, one, two, three. Uh, I only hit one. I suck at bowling. You missed. That's okay. You not not everybody can be KZ on the lanes. All right, brother. So, how would um. How would people be able to um, get in contact with you if you know if they want to book you or or uh, you know send you fan mail? Uh, <clears throat> Best way to hit me up is on MySpace, MySpace.com/slash J A Y S I N R U S H spelled Jason Rush. Nice and easy. Awesome, Absolutely. awesome, awesome. Sammy, thanks for coming on, brother. It was uh, it was my pleasure. Um, hopefully, we will see you. In, a, in an elite pro ring very soon. Um, I think you'll fit in with uh, with the Thomas Ellis. So, uh, Absolutely. 
Good luck at the uh, Ted Petty, brother, and uh, hopefully you can move on. And if not, look at it this way. You do get to see uh, Dave Taylor and Tracy Smothers do their thing, so it's well it's worth the drive anyway. Yeah, it's worth the price of admission. <laughs> there it is. All right, brother, you have a very safe, safe weekend, and uh, take care, and hopefully we can have you on again. You too. Have a great day. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks, brother. All right, that was Sammy Callahan from uh, the Ohio area. Uh, Sammy will be working the IWA Mid-South Ted Petty Invitational Tournament. He will be working in the first round. He will have the honor of getting in the ring with Chris Hero. You can get information on this uh, pretty good show that they they do a tournament every year. It's really fun. IWAMidSouthWrestling.com. IWAWrestling.com or IWAMidSouthWrestling.com excuse me I better not get that wrong I had to have my fact checker Sal Tomasoli work it out for me but enough of that let me take a breather here alright I am back with the newly crowned NWA World Heavyweight Champion Scrap Iron Adam Pierce. well Adam <clears throat> how's it going brother it is going good, my friend. How are you, KZ? Oh, blown up, man. <laughs> Sounds like oh, you. are right there. You need some oxygen. What's the deal? <laughs> Just a bit tired. Sammy Callahan from Cleveland, you know, blew me up. But, you know, that's what happens when you have a 21-year-old on the show. That's true. <sighs> so, uh, Mr. Take a breather, man. You need some albuterol. You, need, you got asthma. What's, what's the deal? I can help you out there. You need a bronchodilator or what? Nah, I'm good. So, okay. Uh, Larry Sweeney has uh, dropped a bomb today on his hotline. Uh, what he did. He didn't tell anybody, did he? <laughs> it's <laughs> out. Mike Johnson uh, let it out today on uh, whatever that troll's website is. So what happened, brother? Uh, well, you know, uh, what was reported. You know, the uh, times are tough, uh, you know, without going into any detail that nobody needs to know. Times are tough in Ring of Honor, and, and uh, I was honestly waiting. You know, I expected the, the phone call to come months earlier than it did. So it was not a surprise at all. In fact, it was something that had been discussed on a couple of different occasions. Um, and it just came to uh, a point where something needed to be done, and it was done, and, and here we are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I, I need to ask. Uh, this past weekend with your match with Brent, um, mm-hmm. was he seriously injured? Was he hurt? No. Okay. No, his feelings were hurt. <laughs> <That's a> big, <laughs> get back that beautiful belt. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he, listen. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is that we're we're in the wrestling business, and uh, it's our job to. It caused people to suspend their reality and uh, to suspend belief, you know, and with Brent being hurt, <clears throat> you know, maybe maybe a bunch of people got worked or maybe he's really hurt. I don't know. You tell me. There it is. <laughs> doesn't matter. It, doesn't it matter. really doesn't matter. You know, I, I'll say this about Brent. Uh, with my departure from Ring of Honor for the time being, and uh, I say for the time being because I know at some point I'll be back. So it's just a matter of it, you know, is it in a month, is it in three months, you know, is it in six months? Uh, I have absolutely nothing but 
the utmost respect for everyone in the Ring of Honor offices, uh, from the top down to the bottom, and to the guys putting the ring up. And uh, I want to publicly thank Nigel McGinnis and Roderick Strong for their kind words. And, uh, well, mostly Nigel, because, you know, anyone who's talked to Roddy at any length knows it's like talking to a retard, but uh, no offense to our retard fans out there. Um, but Roddy presented me with a nice going-away gift, a 30-pack of Miller Lite, which I always do appreciate. And Nigel said some things uh, in front of the locker room that uh, that hit home, and I really do appreciate all the time. You know, it, the three years that I was in Ring of Honor flew by, you know, and uh, for someone who wrestles a style that has been, I guess, completely opposite of the norm in Ring of Honor since the day I got there, um, I had a blast, man, the entire time, you know. I hope that the fans can appreciate what it is that I brought to the table, uh, regardless of what situation my character was put in, regardless of how I was booked. And I showed up, laced them up, and 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 always did precisely what was told and what was asked of me and did it the best I could. So if this chapter of uh, my wrestling career is indeed closed, and, and I don't think it is, um, but only time will tell, uh, then it was well worth it. And uh, I had, to, like I said, a blast from, from you know, September of 05 to September of 08. A lot of memories, made a lot of friends. And, uh, you know, it was certainly for me the uh, probably the best three-year stretch that I've had in wrestling. And this is now my 13th year. So it's uh, – I'm not looking at it as a bad thing. I mean, literally, I mean, look at our economy. You know, people are facing financial difficulty in all businesses and all facets of life. You know, in, in California and Nevada alone, some 19 million people – are in, in jeopardy of losing their homes and, and foreclosures at an all-time high. And, you know, airline tickets are are priced in, in a large part to the cost of the fuel that it takes to power these jets. And when you live in San Diego and, you know, 99, well, actually 100% of the flights you're taking are taking you across the Mississippi going east. My flight, if, if it's not the most expensive in the roster, it's probably second maybe the, the Danielsons out of Seattle. But, it, I mean, like I said, long time coming. Uh, I w- I've never been in a position in Ring of Honor where I was, and I dare say the word needed, but from a storyline standpoint, my character was never put in a position where he was a must-have on the show. And that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. You know, that's the way it is, and that's, that's the fact of the matter. So we deal with it, and we move on, and, uh, like I said, I've got absolutely no problem or heat with anybody in the Ring of Honor office. In fact, I talk to several of them all the time. <clears throat> so this too shall pass, my friend, as they say. Tremendous. Now, yeah. I watched the 8-2-0-8 match again today. Okay. And it it blew me away again, brother. Four and a half stars. That's my That's what I rated it, and I've said that publicly today. And I've taken a shitload of heat for it, but it was a throwback to, I mean, Lenny, or uh, not Lenny Leonard, the other guy, uh, Prezak, you know, on the commentary, you know, he's all, yes, this this is definitely an NWA title match. And I got that feeling. Um, you know, I've watched the match two times so far. Um, blow away. 
Away. Let me ask you a question. I just, I'm just very, I'm just curious. I've always wondered how people come up with their quote unquote star ratings. Now, obviously, it's subjective, and four stars to you might be a star and a half to somebody else. But you said you took heat for saying that. Well, what kind of heat? <clears throat> Guys said that friends of mine. They said to me that you know this wasn't a Ring of Honor match. I said, well, that was the point. I mean, okay. and they're all, you know, why, why'd you give it that rating? I said, first off, they captivated the fans. Okay. And this wasn't an, an ROH-style match. And, you know, you guys grabbed the, grabbed the fans. You know, there was hard-hitting stuff. You guys told a hell of a story. Um, it was brutal. I mean, it was brutal. You know, a couple of those clotheslines, brother, you know, you took Brent's head off. And I was just like, oh, dude, did... You just told that story, and you connected with me and the fans as well. That That's why I gave it four and a half. I appreciate that. One thing I will say, and I, and I hear this more and more from, you know, not, not only fans or, you know, uh, but also some of the wrestlers, when, when, when we hear the phrase, quote, ROH style, I think to a man that would bother – most of the guys in the Ring of Honor locker room because we're trying to present professional wrestling as a sport mm-hmm. and we have a hard time understanding, especially, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I don't get it, what exactly is Ring of Honor style? Anyone who's ever tried to explain that to me describes junior heavyweight wrestling style. No, 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 no. <laughs> no? No, no, no. <laughs> um, the Briscoes are a perfect example. Uh, you put a 40-minute match together in 20. Okay. That's it. Well, there's, there's well what so you just described isn't positive. Um, I love I love Jan Mark to death. I just wish they would, you know, slow down. Too many finishes and not enough endings. Well, okay, I, I get what you're saying, but I'll say this: if that's if that is what quote ROH or Ring of Honor style is, then that's that's crap, that's garbage, and nobody in the locker room having it described to them that way would be happy with that. Again, none of us are perfect, um, but I think one of the criticisms of Ring of Honor, and I think it's very valid, is precisely what you just said: you know, too many finishers, not enough finishes, and uh, that's true. And it's something that, uh, you know, has has come up numerous times in the last several months and even more, more uh, you know, more pointedly recently as far back. I mean, even as, as recent as before the Boston pay-per-view, that uh, there's, a, there's a way to do things and, and, and most of the, I don't want to say most of the roster, but a large chunk of the matches aren't working the way they should necessarily. But you know what? Guys are learning. This is all a work of progress. I realize Ring of Honor has been in business for six years. But, uh, you know, creative decisions and how matches are put together and whatnot, you know, these things all ebb and flow and change and morph with the times of what's popular. And I think that that style of wrestling, um, is kind. Of, I think it's on its way out, actually. I think we're we're heading towards a period of more storytelling in the ring, which is how I was trained and how some of the older guys in Ring of Honor were trained. And I think above all, most of us feel like that's the way you make money. 
you know, maybe not always, but a lot of the time, less really is more if the, if you do it right. So, um, yeah, okay, I get what you're saying now. I don't take that as a positive at all, but I get what you're saying. Well, it's about time. I mean, if, if my match wasn't Ring of Honor style and that's what their complaint was, I take that as a compliment. There you go. If that's if what Ring of Honor style is, what you just described, well, then their insult yeah, in, is in, a compliment. In, in my in my circle of friends that we discussed, yes. Um, yeah, I okay. can't talk I about you know anybody outside my my little circle, but or my bubble, shall we say? But it was you. good stuff. It was good stuff. Yeah, and I mean we we tried to uh, we tried to take it back, but also keep it modern. And I think as it as the match went on, at the very beginning it was very slow and very methodical and done that way on purpose. And uh, picked up towards the uh, the end of the match, I think, and you know, I, I even think that we we did too much towards the end of the match. But um, I haven't really found anyone else that agrees with me, so we shall see. It was a hell of a night. It was a hell of a match. Uh, I was equally as happy with the match I had with Brent in Philadelphia. Uh, the only things that kind of hamstrung us there is where we were on the card. We were we were second, so some of the things that we wanted to do in the match. We were unable to do only because it would have upstaged or taken away from things that were going to be happening later in the card. So as a result, I don't think you, we had time. Well, time was a big factor. We, I think we only went about 13 or 14 minutes in Philly when we went over 20 in New York. So the time element took away from uh, building a little bit more emotion. I don't think we were able to get the people as red hot as we wanted, but I think had we had more time, and uh, a couple of other little things to, to to help us along. We could have we could have got there or even surpassed them because the, the crowd of Philadelphia was amazing, and that building was jumping from beginning to end. So, like I said, uh, um, two good matches, and and uh, looking to keep it going down the line. Yeah, and eight eight two the um, the the table spot was just amazing. It was completely out of nowhere, and I was like, yes, yes, yes. I thought we were going to see good old-fashioned flair thrown off the top, but no, he went to the table and he destroyed that thing, and it, it was just blow-away stuff. I mean, even with the uh, with the the Sweeney uh, interference and all that, it was just mm-hmm. fun stuff. Um, yeah, that's that's one thing I'm going to miss you standing next to Larry. Um, and I'm, oh, I'm, I already miss it. I already miss it, man. But but you know what? Again, I I. I don't think by any stretch this is the uh, the end of the road, as they say. Um, you know, God willing, Ring of Honor is able to make ten million dollars on this last pay per view we shot, and uh, and some big conglomerate dumps a bunch of money into Ring of Honor, and a TV deal comes along, and then uh, I think before you know it, I would be back uh, being a prick on on uh, Ring of Honor events, and that'd be just by just fine by me. <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous. So I, I have to know, how did Dave Marquez react to your match after? Uh, the uh, the New York City event, the New York City match? Yes, sir. Oh, yes, uh, you know, Dave is the sort that he's very pointed in his words. He's He's careful not to give you too much emotion unless you've done something that he doesn't like. Um, but I would say much like a lot of the people who may not have had, uh, shall we say, stellar expectations going in, 
we uh, we left Mr. Marquez with a smile on his face, and that was just enough. That was enough for me. I knew that at that point we had done what we needed to do. So, yeah, I would say without a question. You know, as a matter of fact, later on that night, backstage we were uh, all of us smoking cigars and drinking beers, and it was a uh, it was a good time. That's cool. That's uh, yeah. that's good to uh, to keep Mr. Marquez happy. Um, so, is there there any any uh, new developments with the NWA? Uh, the NWA is having two big events. Uh, let's see, what's today? The twenty? I don't even know what today is. Twenty fifth. Twenty fifth. Yeah. So October third in Tulsa, at the Spirit Bank Event Center. I believe it will be the second event to uh, grace that brand new building, and we're excited about that. The next night, just outside of Corpus Christi, Texas, in Robstown, uh, Ric Flair is making his return to the NWA, and we have a big card that night, and I will be defending the NWA world title against Brent Albright with stipulation to be determined the night of. I think they're going to try and do uh, fans choose a stipulation or something like that. We have some... Um, some little things to work out in, in, in order to make that a possibility, but we're super excited about both events. Tulsa uh, is Brent, Brent Albright's hometown, so I know that he's going to have family and friends on hand. He'll be facing Mike DiBiase for the NWA North American title, which if you uh, pay attention to how the championships are, I guess, ranked in the NWA, that the North American title is one step below the world title. And uh, that should be a good encounter. Uh, Big Daddy V from WWE is booked for both nights. Sean Waltman, X-Pac, will be on both shows. Rob Conway. Blue Demon will be in Tulsa. And uh, who else? Who else am I forgetting? Los Luchas, the NWA World Tag Team Champions. Ace, Ace, Ace will not be on these show. He will. I, Ace is going to be around. It's just a matter of, you know, budgets and booking and whatnot. And uh, if I had my... If I had my way, he'd still be on every show. Oh, um, yes. But he, he'll be around. But, yeah, we're super excited about that. And then uh, we are in the midst of working out several things with Big Vision Entertainment to, I guess, relaunch for, it seems like, the umpteenth time. But hopefully this time we'll, we'll do it the right way, the uh, NWA Wrestling Showcase television program that, will be uh, emanating now from Hollywood, which is going to make things a lot easier for us just because of the connections with Big Vision. It's supposed to be shot at Columbia Square, which is a CBS Studios on Sunset Boulevard, uh, which is going to afford us pretty much any piece of television equipment you could need. And uh, it's just a matter now of, of, of getting the right time to begin taping those those new episodes of the show, and the uh, the idea here is to shop it to to other potential carriers. So while Colors TV on the Dish Network has been the home of the NWA Wrestling Showcase since it was pretty much started, and is now in rerun mode, uh, we're looking for I dare say bigger and better things. But I guess when you come down to it, that's precisely what the NWA is looking for. Not that Colors TV is is a bad thing, you know. It reaches like upwards of 15 million homes in our country. But the the goal of this whole thing from the beginning, as I understand it, was for the NWA to really make a push to get their television product on a on a uh, national 
platform and uh, with the partnership with Big Vision Entertainment, which is obviously the, the company who brought WSX to MTV, I think we have the opportunity. I think the time is now. We need to strike while the iron's hot, and uh, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, two, three weeks, we can announce some really big things that I think are going to make that television process a lot easier. And uh, I can't really say much more than that about that, but... Yeah, big things on the, on the horizon, hopefully. Uh, it's going to take some luck and some fortitude and a lot of hard work. Uh, we are definitely happy to have Ric Flair back in the fold uh, October 4th and can hopefully forge a much longer relationship with him going forward. About fucking time. Yeah, yeah, I hear that, man. I hear that. You know, And, and uh, to his credit, you know, he has done everything there is to do in this business. And it is a privilege to work alongside with him. And even if it turns out to be for only one event, it uh, it bring it, it it validates a lot of the hard work that you've put in to say, you know, at least for one night, I'm going to sit here and lace my boots next to the greatest who ever did it. And uh, just to pick his brain, I mean, that's a, you know, th- there's, there's, I don't know, 20,000 wrestlers in the world I think would kill for the opportunity to do just that. And uh, hopefully he likes what he sees and who he's dealing with. And, uh, you know, Lord knows, you know, I'd love to have his payday, but I hope that that suffices as well and that he's interested enough to go forward with things. And then who knows? I mean, I think the sky's the limit. I really do. Yeah, it's it's him leaving leaving the WWE, I think, is the best thing that ever happened to Rick. Um, Just because now he can go out, work for whoever he wants, uh, do any type of interview that he wants, and, you know, he's not being held down and, and you know, geez, he shouldn't even be working anymore. You know, he just should be making appearances. That, that's it. You know, I mean, I, I honestly don't think he's going to get back in the ring again. I think he's done. Um, and I think he's going to stay retired as far as being an active competitor because he doesn't want to look like he lied to the fans. You know, and... You know, well, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, and I don't, I don't care what business it is, if it's sport, entertainment, you know, cutting grass, plumbing, whatever it is, at some point you get to to uh, a point in time where that's it, and you've done all you can do, and either due to uh, age or injury or the fact that you don't want to do it anymore, at some point everything comes to an end. And uh, I don't know if Rick will uh, will wrestle in the future. Uh, he certainly doesn't need to, I wouldn't think. Uh, what does he, he won't have to obviously prove? be doing. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I'm getting at. This is, in the in my estimation, and you know, dollars and donuts. I say Rick Flair's the best man to ever put on a pair of boots. Now, of course, that's up for debate. But you know, again, like we talked earlier, things being subjective. I could watch a Rick Flair match. And and a Rick and even more than that, Ric Flair interviews all day long, all day long. There it is. Uh, he's the best to put on a pair of boots, and like I said, man, it couldn't be a, a bigger honor than to uh, to pick his brain, you know. And you know what, man? I just think of the possibilities. It'd be a blast, you know, to have him as a part of things going forward. Can you imagine the interaction between the Nature Boy and the Scrap Daddy? <clears throat> 
That, that would be beautiful. <laughs> I think that Flair would be the only man that would be able to replace Larry Sweeney as your manager. I don't think anybody can replace Larry Sweeney. I think Larry Sweeney, man, he is the future, if you know what I mean. Love Larry Sweeney. Larry Sweeney deserves a job. You know, he deserves a job making uh, good coin. Well, he should be fucking GM of Raw. I mean, anything other than that Adam Lee goof. I can't stomach it. Hey, did you not watch American Gladiators when you were younger? Oh, yeah. Of course. Don't sleep on Mike Adamy, bro. <laughs> Just remember. Oh, man. That's the voice. And I don't care what the American Gladiators it's on now. Mike Adamy is American Gladiators. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? When it was time to run the Eliminator, Mike Adamy was telling you what was going down. Just remember that. Just remember that, bro. <laughs> so I've I've discussed this, this subject with many people. Um. Do you feel that the Michaels Jericho program will end at the next pay per view? Well, I don't know. I ain't the damn Booker. Um, well, I mean, in, in your opinion, I mean, they they had the ladder match for the belt. Yep. You know, my 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 idea is that the loser will not be able to get another shot. They'll do that whole thing, and then they'll win the Rumble, and they'll do it at Mania, and it simple. And it, things don't need to be so difficult that they have been. And this is a natural program, and it's just completely entertaining. Adam, it's it's you know it's shit that we watched in the '80s on TBS, brother. You know this yeah. is Dusty and Tully, you know kind of shit. And uh, see, this is my problem with wrestling today, and I don't really think it matters what company you're in, Ring of Honor, WWE, TNA. Um, Somewhere along the line, the people who are are telling the stories, whether it be writers or matchmakers or bookers or whatever you want to call it, I think that we've we've lost sight in the wrestling industry of just how simple wrestling can be and should be. I think it's a story of a good guy and a bad guy. You invent an issue between them, and they fight over it. That's simple. It doesn't need to be anything more or less than that. And, of course, then you expound upon it. But we get these convoluted stories and, and sometimes story arcs that start but never finish or stuff that just comes out of nowhere, like people getting released. And it's just like, come on, man. you know. And then, and then I think that turns fans off. I think that turns fans off. So how long has the Jericho Michaels program been going? Five months. Well, I mean, if this was, you know, if this was back like on TBS or, you know, you know, 82, 83, a program with the two guys like Michaels and Jericho who were supremely talented, some of the best workers, you know, ever, arguably, they should get a hell of a lot more mileage than five months out of it. Again, the question begs, have you conditioned your audience to the to expect short-term feuds as opposed to, 11, 12 months with a huge blow-off. To me, five months is baby steps, but if they've blown their wad, quote-unquote, and done everything they can do, you know, you don't want to get in a situation where you're trying to top yourself for the sake of topping yourself and in the meantime really hurting the story you've already told. So I don't know. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I haven't paid too much uh, attention to it other than I saw the match where 
uh, Michaels had his eyebrow busted open with the elbow, and I liked the way that they did that. But after that, I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't seen much. So, But if it's only five months, I'm surprised it hasn't been longer. It sure, I guess, feels like it's been longer. But Well, they, they've had three, three singles matches, two on pay-per-view, and one was a raw throwaway match. So, and they've done like I think one or two tags. So, and then okay. the rest have been promos. So, I mean, they're they're as as best as they can. They're keeping them apart, where it's not, right. you know, a constant. So, I think that that's why it's staying fresh. And the thing is, fans now have a have, you know, it's a, a fast food fast food culture. You know, it really yeah, is. You're right. Uh, yeah, you know, I'd agree with that wholeheartedly. People ha- are in the mindset now where they want what they want, and they want it now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in wrestling, I mean, and again, this is subjective in my opinion, but, dude, you you, you got to take your time stirring the soup, brother, before you taste it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because otherwise it's bland. So, But, yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. One thing that I'm still confused on is... Has, you know, what exactly happened to my boy CM Punk. I mean, I understand from a storyline standpoint what happened, but I just don't really understand, you know, where you go from there. It's such a, a sudden thing, the way it went down, and it's just weird, man. Wrestling's weird. Sometimes I love it. Most of the times I do, but there are days where I really do hate it. I, I don't know what they're going to do with him. I, I mean, he was hot, and then some, you know, he was doing very well for himself with the belt. Uh, right. You know, everything was clicking, and then they, you know, he was sacrificed. But hopefully, you know, he'll come out of it, and I think that he will, because they're going to give him the program with Orton when Orton comes back. So, right. you know, hopefully, you know, that's that's going to be Punk's payoff. Um, hopefully. Hopefully. Because um, that could be fun. Uh, they're both great in the ring, and they're both great in the stick, and, you know, it it could be very very fun. Um, can you hold on just a second, Adam? I'm I'm going to play a quick promo uh, that was requested by a by a friend of the show. Uh, it'll be on okay. for about a minute, and then we, sure. we can discuss it after. Okay, guys, this All is right. uh, this is Vito's promo on uh, Brian Alvarez. Hold on just a sec, guys. Brian Alvarez. Oh yes. damn. Okay, I got to watch this because I think I'm going to WrestleMania with him. <laughs> okay. He's going to hear right. this tomorrow. Let me tell you something, Brown Alvarez. You nothing but a no-good, yellow, lily-leveled, sex-ex-sucking dog is what you is. You out there, you trying to present wrestling news. There's no wrestling news. The only news that's out there is Brian Alvarez is sniffing jocks, and he's out there trying to find a scoop. There ain't no scoop. The scoop is, don't go to Brian Alvarez. Go to Between the Ropes. Go to Robo God Radio. Tell Brian Alvarez that he's a no-good yellow dog. He's just like Nikita Koloff, and that's what I'm talking about. Bottom line, first blood. That's it. Now there. Vito. Wow. That was Vito DiNucci from Florida former uh, NWA World Tag Team Champion, he does the best Dusty Rhodes impersonations ever. That was Money. that was brilliant, I must say. <laughs> yeah, oh, we got to get Vito on the show again. He is, he's so much You know fun. who does a good Dusty Rhodes, too? But maybe not on that level, but Ace Steel does a hell of a Dusty Rhodes. Really? He does. I've had many a voicemail from Ace Steel that would be equivalent to Dusty Rhodes cutting a promo about basically anything. He says to me sometimes he just does it when he's driving down the freeway, and the promo will consist of freeway signs that he's weaving into some 
random context, and I can't stop laughing. But yeah, no, that 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 was pretty damn good. That was pretty damn good, Dusty. <laughs> Big fan yeah, of Dusty. That's... Well, since I I brought up the fat man, um, Dusty's gotten a lot of flack for you know pushing himself you know in the the Crockett heyday. Um, mm-hmm. what, what do you how do you feel about you know Dusty pushing himself up towards the top? Do do you think it's the it was the right move? You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I think the the fact of the matter is, and this is I haven't seen this disputed anywhere. I can't think of a time where Dusty Rhodes wasn't, you know, if not the top baby face, uh, had to be, you know, first or second. And anytime you've got someone with the popularity that Dusty had, I mean, how could you go wrong, really, pushing him? I mean, again, wrestlers, as bookers, sometimes get branded with – the stigma that they're out there to push themselves. But I think if you go back and look at it, you can justify Dusty pushed himself because he was over. And at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. Could you draw money pushing Dusty Rose in the 80s? I mean, come on. That's easy. You know what I mean? Well, look, look, so, look yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know how you would do it different. I mean, I, who, I guess who else were the top babies at that point? Magnum TA? Uh... God, who else? I mean, there were so many of them, but Dusty Rhodes, you know? I mean, that name right there, how could you go wrong? You know? Well, I mean, look look, look who he took with him. You know, he, he took went on the program with Flair, went on the program with Tully, and then, you know, right. you know, and he branched off and did other stuff, and then the Horseman thing and all that. I mean, geez, it doesn't get any better than 86 and 87. It, it no, just, God, no. I mean, and... Thank God for WWE 24-7. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to, to admit, and I think, you know, Bob Frovich and the executive board of the NWA, Marquez included, would tell you that WWE 24-7 is is really breathing life into the, the brand once again because it's a whole new generation of fans who, you know, a lot of them weren't even alive when this stuff was happening. And now they get to see it and... Uh, you know, obviously a totally different style than what they're used to, slower, things are drawn out, but we're talking about really the foundation for which professional wrestling today was built, and uh, be that good or bad. You know, I I always said this, you know, that I wish I was born, you know, 18 years earlier than I was, and uh, I wasn't, so, oh, well, I digress, but yeah, thank God for the, uh, that which we grew up loving, my brother. There it is. Well, see, the the thing is, you know, the proof was in the pudding. I mean, they drew money, they made money, but I, I think that they they did overdo Dusty and Flair. I think they may have overdone that, but there really wasn't that big baby, you know, to go with Flair at that time because they lost Magnum, no. um, Nikita. You know, they would push him up, but he wasn't, you know, that that charismatic type of guy that'll, you know, get on a stick and, and put asses in the seats like Dusty would. Dusty would just cut a promo and bam, fill, fill the building. And is, I, yeah. I think that's I think that's what's missing. There isn't a draw now on, on T V. It's a it's the brand. Not there isn't a draw. Um you can't credit anyone for drawing the big house of WrestleMania. The WWE drew the house. And I think that Vince has broken things down like that, so no one is bigger than the company, and I, I don't think it's right. Um, 
I, I feel that guys should be able to go out there and, you know, try to pack a building. Um, like, like you, for instance, say, say on the NWA website, you're, you're playing a promo for your, your show in Tulsa. And I, I feel that you should be given the credit for drawing that house as opposed to the brand. And <clears throat> call, me, call me old school, whatever. But the, the thing is, guys don't get enough credit for the work that they do. I mean, with the exception of, you know, the good coin. But, yeah, I mean, it's a given. Yeah, but, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> see, I, I'm torn on this, too. Of course, there are indisputable names throughout the wrestling history that have drawn, you know, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. Um, but I've always been of the belief that, really, at the end of the day, the marquee says wrestling. So... There's going to be the segment of the fan base who's going to come and see wrestling just because it's wrestling, regardless of who's wrestling. Then you're going to get the fans on the periphery who are going to be drawn into a particular character or storyline or whatever, and that's going to bring them to the event when maybe they wouldn't have come otherwise. So, I don't know, man. I mean, I think it's a combination of both. Like, for, for instance, the Ring of Honor, and we've had this debate in the locker room ad nauseum, none of us really think there's a quote-unquote draw as far as one particular wrestler. Because we've seen houses equal number with different rosters in the same town. Mm-hmm. So is there a particular wrestler or wrestlers that are the draw, or is Ring of Honor the draw? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we did come to the conclusion that the promotion was the draw, otherwise you would have you know, stark contrast in crowd numbers in in the same city based on different talent rosters working. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's that's just a theory, but uh, you know, one I I kind of prescribe to. Now, when uh, you know, the NWA starts to do their thing again, um are you guys going to try to at least, you know, on on a minimal basis try to to run a territory at least on the West Coast? I think the the whole the whole point of of doing this and uh, really trying to do it right because I think that if if you really got to the heart of the matter with with David Marquez and Bob Trowbridge and and the people who were involved in the first two incarnations of the NWA television show, uh, I think that the the reasons we went on TV were flawed. The reason I think that any wrestling company should have TV is to feed your live event sales and pay-per-view if you have it. The, the, the way that the WWE does business is a tried-and-true method, and that's why it's a publicly traded company with billions of dollars, and uh, you never hear them talking about financial problems or anything like that because they've got their method, they've proven it works, and they do it better than anybody else has. So, you can't say that the NWA television program, which, like I said, on Colors TV goes out to about, and I could be wrong on this, but I want to say 15 million homes, uh, and, and it's not like those 15 million homes are all centered in one area. It's relatively spread out. So you're, not, you're hitting a large number of people when you look at the number 15 million, but when you look at the television markets across the country and then cut that by those that have Dish Network and then cut that by those who would be inclined to watch Colors TV 
anyway, and then cut that by the wrestling fans who know the television programs on Colors TV, what we were doing on that program wasn't generating ticket sales to any live events. And if it was, it was in a very small number. So I think that it, it, it was counterproductive to, to the business model of, of having a television program and using that to feed your live gate. Uh, and, of course, at your live gate, you sell your merchandise and tickets to the next live gate. And then if you have pay-per-view, you build towards that. Obviously, we didn't have the means to do that. So... The, the whole point of going back on a relaunch with the NWA program is to do it in a way that, and I like to say, the right way. And that's going to be with a viable television partner who's in the markets where we feel the NWA still has a presence or could have a presence based on the past and markets that will sustain wrestling. We've done great numbers in Texas in multiple cities. We've done great numbers in Las Vegas. We did great numbers in Atlanta. We did great numbers in, in the Northeast, in Rhode Island and in New Jersey, which nobody even knows about these shows because they weren't well publicized, at least not on the Internet. Uh, but when you're drawing, you know, 19, 2,000, 2,500 people to, to events, and, and especially in today's wrestling climate, that's a respectable house. Um, so the, the object would be to find a television partner who's looking to, uh, who'd be willing to, to invest the time and money necessary to help the program grow. In, and obviously we'd like one that reaches the markets that we've already been successful in because that we feel is a foundation to build on. And uh, so it's going to take time. You know, we, we're, we're going to be taping new episodes here in the next month or two, I would imagine. As far as when those are going to air, it's hard to say. I think a lot of that is going to be used to put together a pilot, which will then be uh, the focal point of presentations in the attempt to, to sell the show, much like Big Vision did with WSX, and, and they struck gold with MTV. Now, we all know that MTV didn't really invest the time in promoting that, and of course it went away a lot faster than anyone thought it was going to. But with the NWA, obviously, is a more traditional wrestling program. Uh, I would venture a guess that MTV would not be a network that we would be pitching it to, simply because it doesn't fit the mold that uh, that MTV currently uh, has going on. So, you know, time will tell. I mean, it's uh, is is television necessary for the NWA to exist? No, and I think that we've been we've been proving that, even though we've been on TV. But it, like I said that television program isn't feeding anything necessarily to to the uh the kitty. You know, people aren't making a living off of that. So we're just we're gonna try and do it right and uh as long as that takes will be as long as it takes. Now that now that you're not gonna be working for Ring of Honor on, on weekends, would you be able to um make dates for Jesse Hernandez in the Empire Wrestling Federation? I would make dates for Jesse Hernandez now already if if Jesse and I could agree on uh, that green, as they say. You know, I don't wrestle just for the sake of wrestling. I do it as a means to put my, put uh, food on the table and feed my, my son and my family. So, you know, while I love Jesse and I've known him for a long time, uh, I think even Jesse would tell you that his budget isn't such 
that he and I will be having any uh, any long-term uh, relationship wrestling-wise. And that's nothing against Jesse. He knows what his market is, and he, and he does it well, and they fill that building in Covina every month. And... Uh, and he does it with guys that he doesn't necessarily have to pay a whole lot. And that's great. That's a perfect place for young wrestlers who are looking to learn. That's a perfect place for them to go. And Jesse's yes, one of the is. best to learn from in California. Yes, it is. In the States, brother. I'll tell oh, you. yeah, absolutely. He's been been around no. forever. And it, still. you know, And, you know, he does it the old way. Every time I call him. Every time I call him. Hey, brother, how you doing? Oh, I'm out putting up flyers. I'm putting out posters. That's huh. Jesse. That's it. That's it. Tried and I mean, true. Tried and true. And some of the best crowds to work in front of. The times that I have worked for Jesse have been a blast. One of the matches that I worked for Jesse was part of the NWA World Title Tournament back in, uh, God, that would have been, uh, well, last 07. So probably the, in the late spring, early summer, I wrestled Chad Parham from Georgia at one of Jesse's events in Covina. And the place was packed, and, and the best part about it is I would say 75% of the kid, uh, the people in there were kids, you know. So they're having the time of their life to begin with. They're seeing wrestling, and, of course, that makes our job in the ring so much easier because we're not working with a room full of critics, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And uh, th- that's when you really feel, like, I guess, fulfilled. That's when you feel fulfilled, that when you can entertain a kid and you can really take them on that emotional roller coaster, you know, it, you feel good about it, regardless if you're the heel, the baby face, what the finish is. You don't care because you've got three, four, five hundred kids on their feet and cheering that baby face on. I know I'm doing something right. And uh, and, and that's the kind of crowd that Jesse draws, and God bless him for it. <clears throat> All right. So are you, um, are you picking up any uh, dates with uh, SoCal Pro? Yeah, I, I you know I, I love Jeff and uh, Jeff Dino, the promoter of SoCal Pro. So I will work for Jeff whenever my schedule allows. And fortunately, for the past several shows, uh, things have have meshed, and so we've been able to do our thing together. And uh, you know, this 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 whole thing with Ring of Honor is is relatively new to the public, but I've known this has been coming for probably a month. So. Um, my schedule's been been filling up with other things, and uh, and like I said, you never know when I might resurface in Ring of Honor. But yeah, as my schedule allows, I uh, I will work for Jeff Dino and SoCal Pro. One of the major things I like about it is it's 35 minutes from my house. <laughs> there and you go. You couldn't ask for a nicer guy to work for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have to agree. The boss is a great guy. Cheap plug. WrestleWarehouse.com. Uh, any. SoCal Pro Wrestling show from this year. They have all been blow away. Top to bottom. Opening match to, to the main events just been I, I can't I can't put Jeff in this product over enough. Um it's just amazing. Um I'm due just, for a trip yeah, to San Yeah, just Diego, like Jesse's so. too. Just like Jesse's <laughs> it's a perfect place for younger wrestlers to learn. To learn. And you've got guys uh, when I'm there and when the Ballards are there, you know, we're, we're more interested in helping out the other matches than we are our own, you know. Uh, sometimes when you've been around long enough uh, to go out in front of a crowd like Jeff draws, which, again, is a lot of kids, 
you can kind of be on autopilot. And I don't say that meaning you phone it in. What I'm saying is you don't have to rack your brain for things to do because the crowd you're working with is going to react to whatever you come up with anyhow. So we can devote some of our time, in fact, a lot of our time, to helping the guys who have only been around a year, year and a half, two years, uh, listen to them put their matches together and help them if there are holes in it or maybe they have something backwards or maybe they should put something here instead of there or explain to them maybe why this finish doesn't work but this one would work better to make the show flow better. You know, that's that's what the locker room at SoCal Pro really sounds like and it's a, it's a great place to be. And, and to see the guys come back from their match and say, you know what, that was, you know, thank you for that idea, or, you know, I didn't like the way we did this. What do you think would have been better if we had tried this? I mean, it's all about learning. It's a proving ground. It's a place to learn. And in wrestling, you never stop learning. I don't care if you're working for, for SoCal Pro, the NWA, Ring of Honor, TNA, or WWE. You never stop learning. So. And you sit and you, you sit and you watch a show on DVD. And you can tell from the opening match all the way up to the main event that each match, the guys in it, they know their place. And they understand their place on the card. And I, I have to commend Jeff for that. Um, it's, it's a tight, tight run ship, and, and guys know their place. And that, that's, yeah. what, you know, that, that's not what you get you know, on the majority of indies. I mean, let alone you know, WWE and TNA is a whole different animal, but... Um, sure. You know, guys know their place. Uh, they're they're not going to show up the main event. Uh, you know, and that, well, that's in in uh, you know respect. And I want you to ask Jeff why that is in SoCal Pro and, and see what he tells you. But I would tell you that that is a huge problem. And this is going back to Ring of Honor. That's a huge problem in Ring of Honor, and it is uh, a product of the guys, meaning the wrestlers. Uh, having the perception that there's a there's an expectation for them to perform a certain level regardless of what match you're in, and I think that uh, a lot of the guys in Ring of Honor and, I, and people may disagree with this, but I would say that a lot of the guys in Ring of Honor even are green in the sense that they don't understand crowd card placement and how to work within that card placement. Everybody needs to understand, you know, any wrestler would tell you that you want to build a match from the beginning to the end, but just like Jerry Lynn said in, in Boston before our pay-per-view, you can't forget that the show itself also has to build from beginning to end. From the first match to the second to the fourth to the fifth to the main event, it should build, and you want that huge crescendo to happen at the right time. For the match, it's at the finish. For the show, it's the main event. And not enough independent cards are booked that way, even up to and including Ring of Honor and some of the TNA and even WWE stuff. I've seen WWE shows that the crescendo is halfway through and then you leave your crowd flat after the main event. I don't understand why, but it happens. <laughs> There's no excuse for that to happen in WWE. There's no excuse. No, I agree. Hey, there's I mean, really no excuse for that to happen in wrestling, period. If, if you've got people in the locker room running the ship the right way, uh, you know, and things happen on shows. I'm not saying that, you know, every booker is terrible, you know. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you've got, if you have 
you know, it's just like any episodic television program. You want the last thing the people see to make them want to see the next thing. You know what I mean? Exactly. The mundo, brother. That's what I mean, that's, me. That should be the goal. That should be the goal. I that's what hooked Again, me to CBS, you know, in, in 85 and 86. That's what hooked me because everything tied together in the end. You know, and that, that I think that's what's missing. And the, I, I think what's what what needs to be done is is I think that that Bill Watts needs to get off his butt and start going around to different companies and doing workshops and you know and teaching booking, because you know now it's just you you sign these guys, you show up at the building, you know it's 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 a clusterfuck pretty much, and I, I, honestly my my personal favorite booker was Bill Watts. Um, the the UWF stuff was just brilliant, brilliant. The best TV I've ever seen. 1987, UWF with Eddie Gilbert, and that was just the best TV ever. Um, you know what I liked and, about that stuff too? It didn't it didn't beat you over the head and make you think that it was smarter than you were. Exactly. It simply presented you a story and let you form an opinion. It didn't do anything subversive or try to go over anybody's head. It was, you know, this is the good guy, this is the bad guy, this is what they're pissed at each other about, and now they're going to fight. There it is. Nice and simple. Nice and, and, and simple. To, to, to just a, a little comment about Bill Watts, he was, we were lucky enough in Ring of Honor to have him in for a few shows. I guess, uh, would it have been uh, 05, maybe 06? And I happened to be involved, especially in one in Chicago, where he was introduced to the crowd and, and with Jim Cornette, and I was able to interrupt them and kind of cut a little promo on Cornette and Bill Watts. And, like, I'm thinking to myself, this is fucking great. You know what I mean? Bill Watts, I mean, at that point, I mean, probably to this day, has no clue who I am, but I sure as hell knew who he was and respected and, and really admired the things that he had done. So I, it's cool to say that at least that I was involved in an angle with Bill Watts and Jim Cornette on the same show. So that's uh, that's fun. That's one to hang a hat on. So. There it is. All right, brother. Well, we're going to wrap up. Uh, ER is on in a few minutes, so you know priorities. Um, wow. <laughs> How far I've fallen, bro. How far I've fallen. <laughs> hey, people watch ER now. Hey, the season's starting tonight, brother. Who's left on that show? Uh, the cute little Indian chick. Um, that that helps me. The cute little Indian chick. Yeah, the the little chick from India. Um, uh, John oh, Samos is still about. on there. John Samos. Yeah, yeah. John Uncle Samos Jesse is on ER. Uncle yeah, Jesse that, is on ER. That, that makes my wife happy. So. And no, you watch it. You're the one that watches it. Well, she watches too. So. You are but, pathetic. Uh, Do you know that? <laughs> yes, I am, <laughs> and I am proud to admit it. <laughs> All righty, boss. Wow. Um, if anybody wants to contact you, since since you you know your schedule is opening up, um, how could people contact you? I, you know what? I don't want people to contact me. I want people to write. I want people to email. I want people to fax, perhaps send Morse code, even smoke signals. I want the people who are up in arms at the fact that I have been uh, sent on a hiatus from Ring of Honor to write your congressman, your alderman, maybe your precinct committeeman. Perhaps you want to send email to Ring of Honor itself. Demand that you want the last remaining real heel in professional wrestling back 
in Ring of Honor. There we go. What more can I say? All right, champ. You, it was my pleasure. You have nothing to say. You're about then. to go watch ER. <laughs> You're going to watch ER with the cute Indian chick and Uncle Jesse. There it is. Thank you for your time, brother. It was it was my pleasure. It was always it's always fun having you on, man. I appreciate that. I'll work fast. I uh, anytime you want to do it again, KZ, you know where to find me. All right, champ. Thanks, brother. Take care now. Take care. God bless. All right. Oh, wow. That was the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Scrap Iron Adam Pierce. Wow. We survived another show. RubberGuardRadio.com, BlogTalkRadio.com, backslash RubberGuardRadio, and WrestleWarehouse.com. We'll see you next Thursday. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.